You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to New York. This is, is the Devil's Devil State, State of Mind, of Mind podcast, podcast, brought to you brought by to the, you hockey the Hockey Podcast, podcast Network. Network. Now here's now your here's host, host, Neil Villapiano! What is going on, Devils fans? It is, as always, your host, Neil Villapiano, and a welcome to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. I hope you guys are having, as always, a fantastic day wherever you're listening to these podcast episodes. Thank you guys, as always, for taking time out of your day to check these episodes out. I really, really do appreciate it um these episodes and everything we do here at the hockey podcast network are sponsored by the wonderful people at DraftKings sportsbook make sure when you sign up for DraftKings to use our promo code thpn so we do have as always a bunch to talk about uh we're obviously going to recap the devil's game on tuesday night against the tampa bay lightning um, and then what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit more in depth. We talked about him in the last episode, but we'll talk a little bit more in depth about Jesper Boquist or excuse me, Jesper Boquist and uh, his impact since he got back in to the Devils lineup. And then because obviously there isn't going to be a whole lot to talk about for the next week or so since the Devils will be off. I thought it would be kind of a fun thing to do to kind of look at five prospects uh, in the NHL draft this upcoming year in the NHL draft that uh, really, really intrigued me. And I want to talk about them a little bit more in this episode. So as always, guys, we have a bunch to talk about here on the Devil's State of Mind podcast. So let's not waste any more time and get rolling. So the first thing we're going to discuss here on this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast is recapping the Devil's game on Tuesday night against the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Devils were looking to go into the break winning two of their last three games after falling to the Pittsburgh Penguins on Super Bowl 
Sunday. And so obviously, again, another tough matchup um, for the Devils, but definitely an opportunity to once again uh, give yourself some confidence going up against one of the better teams in the NHL. And again, I've mentioned before, but I'll mention it uh, another time here. Um, the Devils won't play again uh, until February 24th versus the Penguins again because of all of the scheduling changes that had to be made because of COVID-19 earlier in the year. Each team is, has had a period at one point or another recently where they've been offered a, a decent amount of time. For the Devils, it will be a little bit more than a week. So next Thursday will be the next time the Devils uh, will be on the ice. They will be in Pittsburgh taking on the Penguins. Um, the Devils are also, they came into this game looking to try to win the season series against Tampa. They won the first game uh, in dramatic fashion. If you remember, they came back from down 3-1 to one in the uh in the third period to win the game five to three. They, they lost the second game, even though it was a competitive one, they did lose the second game in Tampa. And so now the devils are looking to try to win their first and only game at home this year against Tampa and try to go uh, two and one in the series. The biggest problem for the devils uh, from Tampa's perspective is simply that um, the lightning uh, would be at full strength for this one. So they really had no injuries, no problems. They were at full strength going into this game for the Devils. No Dougie Hamilton, no Jesper Bratt, no Yanni Kwokinen, no Miles Wood, no Blackwood, no Andreas Janssen, and no Jonathan Bernier. So as we've grown accustomed to this season and in years past, the Devils are just not at full strength going into this one. The big milestone, though, that we had for this game was that Jimmy Vesey was skating in his 400th career National Hockey League game. He has seven goals on six assists for 13 points in 46 games played this year in his first year with the Devils. So congratulations to Jimmy Vesey, who gets to 400 career NHL games. I believe this is his sixth or seventh year in the National Hockey League. So that is a very, very impressive accomplishment, and I'm sure he's going to be looking to play in many more than just 400 uh, moving forward. He has definitely been somewhat of a pleasant surprise and has really, really earned himself a good spot on this team after coming into the season on a professional tryout. Not sure what was to be expected of him, but he earned a contract at a training camp and he has been one of the more consistent players, especially in the bottom six uh, this season. He scored some big time uh, shorthanded goals, some pretty goals as well. I mean, he's definitely had one of his uh, better seasons of his career, certainly in the last couple of years. And uh, it's really, really nice to see. So congratulations to Jimmy Vesey on reaching 400 career games. So now we shift into the game itself, uh, right into the first period. The Devils struck first eight and a half minutes into the game on a goal that was uh, eventually credited to Dawson Mercer. But what happened is that the, you know, Mercer chips the puck into the zone. Uh, Chernak for the Lightning has the puck, and he's trying to just go behind his net and around his net. But Jack Hughes, good job in the forecheck, actually used his stick to poke the stick of Chernak. And then Chernak accidentally knocked the puck into his own net. And the Devils grabbed themselves the one nothing lead. So they originally gave the uh, the goal to Jack Hughes. Then they gave it to Dawson Mercer. And then they gave, uh, I believe, Sharon Govich and um, Jack Hughes assists on that one. But most importantly, the Devils grabbed the one nothing lead. That unfortunately did not last long. It's just 38 seconds later, a wide open former New Jersey devil, Patrick Maroon, gets the puck right in the slot. He beats uh, Gillies far side to tie the game up at one. I mean, it was just one of those bad situations where the puck is just bouncing everywhere. And um, eventually the puck finds uh, Maroon's stick 
and he's able to score to tie the game up at one. Um, things stayed uh, relatively even throughout the rest of the period, but with 56 seconds left to go in the period and the Devils on the power play, it's Yegor Sharangovich who scored off a shot that was um, taken by Tatar, was blocked, came right to him on the left side. He went top shelf over the glove of Andre Vasilevsky into the net and to give the Devils the two to one lead after one period of play. So I would say, you know, you look at it after 20 minutes, you got to feel pretty good. The Devils have been competitive. They've gotten a couple goals past Vasilevsky, and they have themselves the lead against uh, a Lightning team that's pretty fresh, but obviously uh, definitely looked like they were taking some time to try to get their legs under them because they also had a decent period off. And I believe they're going to be off for another eight or nine days after their next game. So they're going to be off for quite some time as well. So we shift things over to the second period and the Devils picked up right where they left off in the first and just 148 into the second. Jack Hughes gets the puck, sharp angle on the left side. He comes in on Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky makes the save, but it goes right back to Jack Hughes. He gets it on his backhand and is able to beat Vasilevsky on a rebound to get himself a goal and to give the Devils the three to one lead. And so again, you know, you're not even two minutes into the second period and knowing how bad second periods have been, especially over the last couple of months for the Devils, you had to feel pretty good being up three to one against the two time defending champs. And you're putting yourself in a great position to come away with maybe a, a victory on home ice and to potentially win the season series against the two time Stanley Cup champions. But that is where all the good from this game uh, stopped because from that point on, the Devils completely fell apart. Um, it didn't happen right away, but uh, goals by Steven Stamkos and Alex Kalorn, 41 seconds apart with about four or five minutes to go in the second period, gave the Lightning the three to two lead. And the Devils, for a lack of a better term, just completely gave up on the game. They just let it, as they've done so many times this year, just let you know, everything out the bottle. I mean, it was just very, very bad. And it, it was really embarrassing because in the third period, the Lightning dominated. They got goals from Victor Hedman, Nikita Kucherov, and Belomar within the first 10 minutes of the period. And by the time we're at the halfway point of the period, it's six to three after the Lightning had scored five unanswered goals. And that would end up being the end of the game as the Devils dropped this one in an embarrassing fashion, six to three. Now, I understand that maybe it's not as embarrassing as some of the other losses that we've had because this is Tampa. And when you face a good team and you make a lot of mistakes like the Devils do uh, a lot of the time, you're going to have these problems. You know, it's not going to look you know, people may not look at it as bad, but I think to be up three to one. And by the time the game ends, you've given up five unanswered goals to lose six to three and make it look like you weren't even in the game to start with um, is just another uh, indication of this season has been really, really, really embarrassing for many, many Devils fans, including myself. And, uh, you know, like I said, you can tell by just the way that I've been talking about the team of late that when, when it gets bad, it's not really worth getting angry and ranting like I've done before, because we all know what the realities are with everything. I mean, yes, you can make the excuse that we have a lot of our main guys out of the lineup and that doesn't help. But I think in general, this team really just has given up in many different ways. I think that with 30 plus games to go, this team is just trying to get through the rest of the season as best as they can. 
and it's tough because you you want things to change you want thing you want the organization to show that it cares and uh, I'm starting to believe more and more that it's no longer that the organization doesn't care I just think quite frankly they don't have the people in place that know what they're doing and I think that you know they're just letting things happen the way they're happening because they don't know what else that they can do and we're constantly as fans asking for change and to make this team look half decent but that's just not what we're getting so and again, this was just another one of the many games that uh, goaltending is continuing to be an issue. John Gillies, his fourth straight game did not look good. You know, he looked solid until, you know, late in the second period. And then he fell apart. The defense fell apart. The offense really, you know, they scored three goals. But, you know, I guess, unfortunately, it just really wasn't enough. And, uh, you know, when the offense isn't clicking, especially towards the end of the game and the defense continues to fail, you're going to have a lot of results like this, unfortunately. So, again, the Devils dropped this one to Tampa by the score of 6-3. to three. Five unanswered goals to finish the game. They end up, the Devils do, losing the season series. Uh, they won the first game but dropped the final two and finished 1-2-0 and against Tampa this year. So I guess you can say at least they got a win um, against the Lightning this year. But uh, still, it, it, it sucks nonetheless. Um, some bright spots from individual players because I think that in many ways, especially when I've spoken to a lot of Devils fans, that's kind of the only thing that they go to games to see anymore. It's it's the individual players because we know how bad the team as a whole has been this year record-wise and just performance. Um, Jack Hughes had a really, really good night. A goal and assist added two points. So he's picking up right where he left off before the All-Star break. Dawson Mercer with a goal and two assists. So he was involved in every single goal of this game got his first career three point night. So it looks like Dawson Mercer is starting to get back into the form that he was earlier in the year. He's, he's starting to play hockey again and having success. And hopefully he can maintain that for the rest of the season and really, really put himself in a good position to compete potentially for a rookie of the year. Um, you know, title. And then Yegor Sharangovich, um, you know, Sharangovich at one point this year really, really was struggling. And I remember some people even wondering, you know, do you have to send him down to Utica because he's really fallen off this, this much, but you look at his last six games, seven points, two goals, five assists. He definitely has found his scoring touch again, that brought him the name Yegor Sharangovich. And it's really great to see that a guy who's expected to hopefully long-term be one of our top six wingers uh, is starting to have success again. So I think that's very, very, um, very important. So those three guys were probably the biggest contributors uh, off Offensively and just overall the best players on the ice for the Devils in that 6-3 loss. Um, with the loss, the Devils fall to a very unimpressive record of 17-28-5. That is for 39 points. They are currently last in the Metropolitan Division, 14th out of 16 teams in the Eastern Conference, and 28th out of 32 teams. And considering the fact that uh, a couple of the teams that are behind the Devils in the standings will be playing while the Devils are off, there's a good chance that maybe the Devils could potentially fall further down since they really won't have any games to, uh, you know, win uh, for at least a week and change. So we shall see where the Devils really are in the standings and everything once we get to next Thursday. But again, just another sad 
frustrating, disappointing, and in some cases, embarrassing loss at home, even if it is to Tampa, you don't give up five unanswered goals in the second and third periods after being up three to one and end up getting blown out in your own home building. I mean, it's just, that's again, another one of those many losses that you say that can't happen. This should be a fireable offense. And we've talked about it before. I think the reality is simply that no major changes within the coaching staff or anything like that are going to be made at this point, because I think the team just wants to get through the rest of the season and just kind of regroup for next year. The only reason that I argue to say you probably should let go of Lindy Ruff now is that you give yourself an opportunity to already start looking at potential options for next year. Maybe they really do think that Lindy Ruff deserves another year. I know that some people say, well, he's gotten somewhat of a bad deal since he got here. And I think you could kind of make an argument with that. But at the end of the day, he has an uh, he has a responsibility to get the best out of this team. And at times last year, it wasn't the case. And this year, it's been even worse where the team just at times gives up. I mean, I'm not just saying that. It's very obvious when you watch this team that there's so many times where they just give up and they don't really give that extra effort. And when the going gets tough, they kind of just check out. And I think that's what makes it even more frustrating is that they're not losing games. They're losing games and being embarrassed while doing so. I mean, look at the last couple of home games. I mean, not including the Pittsburgh one, but look at what happened when they played Toronto in the, the game before the all-star break, they lost seven to one. Look at this game. They lose six to three. They've gotten blown out several other times this season against competition. And it's, it's something that unfortunately a lot of us have gotten used to, and it's just not fun going through. It's just painful to go through. And at the end of the day, we just want to see this team win. And most of us don't care about the draft anyway. And interestingly enough, we're going to be talking about it a little bit in this episode, but Again, this is just another one of those games where you just shake your head and you go, I honestly can't wait for the season to end. I know that sounds like really sad and everything like that. But again, when the team is playing this badly, it kind of just takes a lot of the interest out of you as a fan wanting to see the team succeed. You start to have situations where you're only watching for certain players because you know the team as a whole is not very good. So it's a it's a very, very frustrating, embarrassing loss. And, um, you know, Hopefully the Devils can regroup a little bit with this weekend change um, break and then try their very best. And I mean, really try their very best to try to go out there and win uh, as many games as they can in the last 30 plus to just try to make the season somewhat watchable um, at this point in the year. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone could play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-9789. 7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. Now, the next thing that I wanted to talk about because we were just talking about individual players, there's one individual player that we talked about a little bit in the last episode, but I wanted to shine a little bit more of a light on him, and that is Jesper Boquist. Uh, a lot of you guys know Jesper Boquist at this point. You look back several years ago, he was one of our top prospects. We had a lot of high expectations for him, and unfortunately, he hasn't lived up to the expectations that maybe us as fans or even potentially the organization had for him earlier in his career. And for several years, he has struggled to find a, you know, he's struggled to solidify a role here in the NHL. And if you want to, you know, become an everyday NHL player, you've got to find a role that you can succeed at and do the best that you possibly can. When you look at this, this last period now, since Jesper Boquist got called up due to injuries, Boquist came in and has really grabbed the bull by the horns and made it a mission for him to come out and have the most success he's ever had in his career. And in many ways, he's having his best season of his career. Through 24 contests this year, he's contributed four goals and six assists, which is not great. You know, it's just 10 points. But eight of the forwards' 10 points have happened since the Devils returned from the winter break back on December 29th. Also, in that time span, Boquist has recorded two two-point games, first on the road against Toronto a couple weeks ago, and then when the Devils came back from the All-Star break, their road game in that 7-1 blowout victory against the Montreal Canadiens. Boquist's goals total matches his output in, in, in the two previous seasons, while his assist count is double what he had during the 2020-2021 campaign. So right then and there, you're clearly seeing a guy who has found a role and has a lot of success doing it. And he's had so much success that Lindy Ruff has put him on the second power play unit. And he has actually been able to create some good chances for himself and his teammates. And listening to Jesper Boquist talking to the media here and there, he just talked about, he just feels more confident. He, he believes in himself. He knows that he doesn't have to be a star player or anything like that. He has a role that he has to try to live up to. And that's the role. And, and that's what he's doing. The Devils um, have also used Boquist as a third-line center and a winger throughout the season. And when Boquist is playing at center, he does a good job of helping the balance of the team's line. So he does. he's a very, very good player when it comes to playing in multiple positions and being able to put himself you know, around the lineup. And I think if you offer yourself the, uh, you know, offer yourself as a guy that can play multiple positions, it gives you a much higher chance of staying in the lineup when injuries and other things like that happen. So Boquist has definitely, again, like I said, grabbed the bull by the horns and been able to have a lot more success, especially since uh, December 29th when he got recalled up. So I, I think it's important to see him growing and finally being able to become a regular NHL player. 
Now, do I think that Boquist down the road could be somebody that we have long-term? I, I really don't know. But he's still a very, very young guy, not even 25 years of age. He's definitely somebody who has more NHL experience than even some of the other guys who have had more success in the season than he has. He's obviously been through the ringer when it comes to coaching and managerial um, moves like that, like guys like Nico and Jesper Brad and Zaka and players like that. But Boquist, I think, is starting to gain that confidence in himself that he can play in the National Hockey League and have success, even if it's at a decreased role than maybe what he was expected to have when he was originally drafted. Um, but still, I think it's great to see Boquist getting himself going and finally being able to find a role that he succeeds at. And hopefully, as this season progresses and moving forward, he can continue to have success in that role and make himself a permanent NHL player, especially here for us in New Jersey. So the last thing that I wanted to quickly um, talk to you guys about here on this uh, edition of the Devil State of Mind podcast is I wanted to talk about five of the most, in my opinion, the most intriguing prospects going into the 2022 NHL draft. I know, obviously, it's mid-February, and I know I've talked about before that I really am not thinking about the draft. I don't really care exactly where the Devils finish, but uh, again, with also some other things, you know, there's, there's just at times not a whole lot to talk about. I think it's kind of an appropriate time, and you can tell by the title of this video, we're already looking for, and I do know that several people with Within the Devils um, fan base who cover prospects are already looking ahead to um, to next year and, and, and seeing what the Devils can do. There's a very, very likely possibility the Devils will have another top uh, first round pick. Whether or not they actually use it to draft the player will remain to be seen. Um, but there are some guys that obviously the Devils could definitely look at. It all depends on what exactly they're looking for. I would personally say that if you're looking with regards to the draft, if you're looking, you know, what's the best position to look for right now, I would say you definitely have to look on the wings. I think we have enough centers. We don't have enough scoring wingers. And I think you have to start looking at some scoring wingers that can hopefully, um, you know, be guys that we can have in our system that can eventually become really, really good NHL players. And again, I did talk about the fact that I do believe the Devils need to start getting NHL caliber players on this team instead of constantly building up the farm system. I do understand the importance of having a strong farm system, and we do, but I think it gets to a point where it's no longer about waiting around for three or four years until these guys are ready. It's about we need to capitalize on the team that we have now and go from there and making the right moves to get the right people in here that can help contribute to eventually a Stanley Cup cause, because that's really what we're here for at the end of the day. But I did want to take a look at some of the prospects, um, especially with the live watch alongs that I've done recently on the Hockey Podcast Network YouTube channel, which you should go like and subscribe to if you want to check out more, more content with me. Um, I've had several people mention some young prospects. I've watched some Olympic games and there are some prospects in there that are going to be draft eligible. And uh, it kind of got me thinking about, well, who exactly is out there that's very intriguing? But And so I have... Uh, five players that stand out to me. Um, I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now. The person I have at number five on my list, you guys are going to have a laugh with, even though I actually think he could be a legitimate uh, selection for the Devils, um, maybe in this draft. 
So we'll start with the first uh, prospect, and this is not really any sort of order. I just found the I just found these players, and I just kind of put them in a one through five type of thing. There was no rankings or anything like that. The first player is Juraj Slavkovsky, who I had the pleasure of watching uh, play Team USA in the quarterfinals of the men's Olympic uh, Olympic men's winter. Um, hockey tournament uh, earlier this week. He currently plays for TPS Turku in Liga, which I believe is in the Finnish league. Uh, he is 17 years of age, one of the youngest players in this draft. He is from Slovakia. He's a left winger. He's six foot four, 218 pounds. He has seven goals, 15 assists for 22 points between the under 20 TPS team and the, the regular TPS team. So he's been uh, not only with the under-20 team this year, but he's also played with the main team as well. He also, at the time of this recording, has five goals in the Olympic Games, which is uh, most of anybody on Team Slovakia, and tied for and tied for the most goals in the tournament. So he has been one of the more consistent and more impressive goal scorers in the tournament, and he's just 17 years of age, which is absolutely impressive. I do wonder if you would have gotten this opportunity if NHL players went over... Uh, and play the Olympic Games, but we will never know. Currently, Slovakia is into the semifinal. Um, I believe they are playing, I want to say they're playing Switzerland, if I, or they're playing Switzerland or Sweden, I believe. Um, I think it is Switzerland uh, that they're playing in the semifinal, and the winner of that is one, will be one of the two teams heading off to the gold medal game, while the loser will end up playing in the bronze medal game. Here is something that Sportsnet wrote very quickly about this player. He says, has all the tools at his disposal, but there is some concern about the numbers. Liga numbers are typically predictive of NHL success, and his are lacking. And this was um, this was actually written a couple of weeks ago. So it's a one goal, four points in 21 games. He hasn't really done a whole lot since he got up to the main TPS team. So that is definitely something of a concern. Having said that, he made Slovakia's Olympic team as a 17-year-old, which I think Ted Ramsey saw enough in him and his ability uh, that he earned himself an opportunity. And I think with the amount of success that uh, Slavkovsky's had in these Olympic Games, being one of the top goal scorers, it's going to jack up, jack up his draft stock and make him an even higher prospect going into this draft. So he is going to be somebody you want to keep your eye on when it comes to getting a goal-scoring winger who has a big 6'4", well over 200-pound frame. Not saying he's going to be in the NHL next season, but having that big of a big frame and playing in a professional league definitely makes him an enticing prospect. So the first guy we talked about is Juraj Slavkovsky from Slovakia. The second player on the list is from Russia, a player by the name of Danila Yurov, who currently plays for Metalurk Magnikogorsk uh, of the KHL. He is 18 years of age. Like I said, he is from Russia. He is a right winger, six foot one, 179 pounds. He has eight goals, 18 assists, and for 26 points in the MHL, which is the American Hockey League, League equivalent to the KHL, the MHL is the minor leagues of the KHL. Uh, for Metalurg, 
um, your offense played in 21 games, but has not recorded a point. Um, so I don't know if that's maybe because he's not fully ready to play in the KHL, but um, it's definitely something that is not great, but he's still a very, very talented prospect in his own right. Sportsnet put it, uh, is effective at utilizing his teammates, but remains a constant scoring threat himself as well, which I think is definitely important. I think, again, the main focus from, you know, when I look at these players is scoring. What can they do when it comes to, do they have a nose for the goal? Do they put the puck in the net? And yes, Yurov has not done a whole lot of that at all in the KHL, but he obviously had some success in the MHL and that led him to getting a chance to play in the KHL. And I think given time and, and good development, he'll start to find his scoring touch and kind of go from there. So he's the second guy on this list. Again, Danila Yurov, who currently plays for Metalurg in the KHL in Russia. The third player on the list is also a Russian player, a player by the name of Ivan Miro Shinikchenko. Uh, uh, Ivan Miro Shinikchenko. I apologize if I said that incorrectly. He currently plays for Omsky Yastrobi in the MHL, which again is the minor league of the KHL. He, his team that he is um, playing for, well, the team he has affiliation, that's the affiliate of... Um, Avangard Omsk, which is uh, the team that, um, uh, what's his name? Um, his name escapes me at the moment. Um, Arseny Gritsyuk plays for. So this is, uh, so he's part of that same system that Gritsyuk plays for. He's 18 years of age from Russia, a left winger, six foot one. 181 pounds. He has 10 goals, six assists for 16 points between the VHL and the MHL. I believe the VHL is the other minor league one below the MHL in Russia. So he hasn't had a chance yet to play the KHL, but I think with the success that he's had already this year, he may get a call up later in the year or certainly gets an opportunity next season. Sportsnet wrote, uh, he has a shot and skating ability that translates well already, and he's not far off with the rest of his game. So, they look at Ivan and they see a player that is a little bit more developed as a whole of a hockey player. Again, not saying that is he going to be somebody that makes the jump to the NHL. I honestly think that the only player, in my opinion, that could potentially make the jump next season is Shane Wright. I think that's probably the only guy. Other than that, I would say all of these guys are probably not going to make the jump right away to the NHL. I don't think any of them are fully 100% ready for it. I think Ivan is another player that is not necessarily a long-term project. He might be a guy that needs a year or two in the KHL to get himself going and playing against professionals and continue to overall you know, develop his game. But it seems like so far he's one of those guys that um, is one of the closer players when it comes to having his entire game uh, developing very, very well and, uh, you know, really getting himself going. So Ivan or Ivan Miro Shnichenko is uh, the third player, third prospect on this list. Now, the fourth player is somebody that was suggested to me to talk about um, via the Hockey Podcast Network YouTube channel. Uh, I believe that they are either from, I think, I think it was, um, either somebody from Slovakia or somebody from Finland that told me to look this player up. This is a player. His name is Jonathan Lekarimaki, Le who currently plays for Jirgardens uh, IF in the SHL, which is the same team that Alexander Holtz came from. So there's something interesting to keep in mind with that. 
Um, he's 17 years of age from Sweden, interestingly enough, even though he kind of has a uh, Finnish last name, but he is Swedish. Right winger, 5'11", 172 pounds. Uh, for the under-20 team, he has 20 goals, 15 assists for 35 points. Very impressive. With Gier Gardens, he has five goals, two assists, seven points. So he's been able to actually generate some scoring success while playing with the big club. He also has played in some international tournaments this year. He had five goals with the Swedish under-18 under 18 team. And he also added himself a goal in the World Junior Championships earlier this year with the Sweden under-20 team. Sportsnet uh, says that he has a dynamic ability that scouts look for in a game-changing player. So he is definitely somebody that, when I've looked at a lot of the boards, he's somebody that would fall into where the I think the Devils end up, which might be four, five, six, um, when it comes to wherever they finish uh, in the draft lottery. So he's somebody that I think would be one of the more, I'm not saying that on any of these guys are unrealistic, uh, but there is going to be teams in front of the Devils that are going to be selecting some of the players I've mentioned already. But uh, Lekari Maki is definitely somebody that I think definitely could fit into what the Devils are trying to do, finding those game-changing scoring players, guys with a nose for the goal. We need more depth on the wings, especially on the right-hand side, and Lekari Maki is definitely one of those players. Again, the chance of him coming to the NHL right away is, is pretty slim. I think he would have a similar route like um, like Alexander Holtz did, where maybe he comes over after one year, makes a trial with the tra in training camp, and then maybe goes to uh, – goes to Utica and kind of goes from there. Um, and I feel pretty confident that if any of these players get drafted in and eventually go to Utica, as long as Kevin Deneen is still there, I think that they're going to develop very, very well. And you just look at the way things have gone this year. I mean, it pretty much speaks for itself. But I, I really, really like Lekari Maki. He shows a lot of goal-scoring prowess. He's had success with several different teams with different age groups, and I think that gives him a lot of uh, interesting things to point out and definitely gives me confidence that he could be a really, really good player down the road in the National Hockey League. So, again, this was Jonathan Lekari Maki from Gier Gardens IF in the SHL, 17 years of age from Sweden, a right-winging goal-scoring prospect. And now we come to the last player, and I think that some of you will assume that I only put him on the list because of his name, but at the same time, when I actually look at the player, he could actually be somebody that the Devils could, could draft, I, not just because of the name, but also because of the type of player that he is and because he could be somebody that could be in the – in the later rounds as well, maybe even in the second round. He's probably most likely a first-round pick, but he could also fall to the second round, and the Devils, I'm sure, with a higher second-round pick could draft him, or maybe they take a chance on him early in the first round. I don't know. And that is Jack Hughes. No, not talking about Jack Hughes, the one we have right now. I'm talking about Jack Hughes from Northeastern University in the NCAA, 18 years of age, he is from the United States. I believe he was born in California. He also, I think, has Canadian descent as well. That's kind of interesting. He is a center, so he's the only um, non-winger on this list. Six foot even, even 165 pounds. He is currently a freshman with the Northeastern Huskies. He has five goals, five assists for 10 points in his freshman year. Now, Sportsnet says... Doesn't excel in any particular area of the game, but is extremely responsible and uses his agility to play with pace when possessing the puck. 
Jack Hughes reminds me a lot of the Chase Stoneman pick last year. A guy that is not going to blow you away with anything, but is a guy that can just do a little bit of everything and uh, is very responsible with the puck and definitely can be a little bit of a grinder and be somebody that we could have as a bottom six type player. And yeah, obviously it would be funny to have not one, not two, but three players that are of all with the same last name and having two Jack Hughes on the same team. Um, I don't think that the Devils will end up drafting him, but I think if he's in a position where the Devils could draft him, he's the best player on the board, don't be surprised if the Devils decide to draft Jack Hughes. Do I think that they'll call Jack Hughes uh, the one that we have and ask him if he thinks we should draft this kid? Uh, I'm sure that they'll all get a kick out of that. That's a, That ends up being the case. But I actually had a chance to watch a little bit of him on TV and watching some of his highlights. The biggest thing that I like about him is that he's really, really good in face-off circles. And I think that that's something that we've really been lacking, especially after we gave up, you know, we ended up moving on from guys like, you know, Travis Zajac, who were one of the better um, face-off men in the NHL. I know that Michael McLeod has certainly gotten better. Nico Kishir is actually getting some recognition right now for the Selkie Trophy. But I do think when it comes to the bottom six and having more of a balanced center group, I do think we need to get another player or two that is really, really good, especially when it comes to the face-off circle. Because when I when you look at the Devils, one of the biggest problems is that they lose a lot of face-offs, particularly in the offensive zone. And that immediately kills any sort of opportunity that they have to set something up to try to get a goal. And they need to start finding ways to winning more face-offs in the offensive zone because that's going to eventually generate to creating more goal-scoring chances and getting more goals overall. So when I look at Jack Hughes, he's a freshman, so he obviously is going to be focusing on going to college. He would definitely be somebody that would be like Patrick Moynihan who it's going to take him two or three years before he gets probably his big break in the NHL. But he's definitely somebody that's intriguing from a face-off perspective, a guy that can chip in probably 10, 11, 12 goals, which honestly, if, if he's doing that as a bottom six player, you can't really argue with that. And he's somebody who does, who's really, really good with puck possession, doesn't turn over the puck a lot, uses his body really, really well to shield the puck. And I think that that's kind of the thing there. But again, he's another player where his game is not fully developed. He's learning how to play the game through the college ranks. And there's nothing wrong with that. We got Luke Hughes, who's doing a fantastic job at the University of Michigan. Northwestern is another great program when it comes to developing hockey players. And uh, he's definitely a prospect that I think, not just from his name perspective, I think from a playing perspective and what the Devils look for and the way and the players that, that Tom Fitzgerald likes to um, likes to draft, especially in the later first round or the later rounds. I think Jack Hughes is definitely somebody you should take. Uh, we should look at. So Jack Hughes is the fifth player on this list. So what do you guys think of any of the players that I mentioned? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Is there anybody in particular that I missed that you think would be a good option as well? Let me know on Twitter at Devil State and also on Instagram at Devil State of Mind. Would love talking with you guys. But uh, again, we're, uh, we're trying our best to get through the rest of the season. And uh, again, from the title of this episode, we're just looking forward. And that's really all that we can do.